everyone and welcome back to Murder, Lies and Everything in Between, a true crime podcast with me, Jess, and my husband, Atty. Hi, guys. Hope everyone's had a really, really good week and welcome to all the new listeners that we've had this week. Our um, statistics have shot up this week. So, hello, welcome to everybody that is new here. Um, we hope you've kind of enjoyed the episodes that we've been putting out. And we hope you enjoyed Wednesday's episode, which was a little bit different, wasn't it, Atty? Yeah. A bit different from our normal thing. Um, so this week, obviously, we're we're releasing our normal Sunday episode. And this one is a slightly-ish different to what we normally cover. Um, but I think this one is definitely a topic that needs to be covered. I don't think we've actually covered this type of case yet on the podcast. Um, so... Atty, you don't know anything about today's case at all, do you? You haven't. I haven't told you anything. No, about this I ain't case. got a clue. Nothing at all. No. So this is completely new to you. So, have you ever heard the name Alice Ruggles? No. No, never. Never heard it in the news. Nothing like that. Um, so this is a UK case, um, and this case very much covers um, stalking and coercive behaviour, and all those kind of subjects, okay? So we will put our normal trigger warnings in, as we normally do, but this is kind of just another extra trigger warning for you. If um, controlling behaviour, stalking, or anything like that is triggering to any of our listeners, you might want to kind of bow out of this episode, because this is a little bit of a... It's a brutal one, this one is, and it it covers stalking and coercive behaviour, and all that kind of stuff very heavily. So, forewarning right now. So, Alice Ruggles was born on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, in 1991, to Professor Clive Ruggles, who was 65. And he was actually an expert in... I've, I've said this name a couple of times, and I'm trying to get it right. <coughs> it's archaeo archaeostronomy. It's basically a prehistoric knowledge of the skies. Okay, so this is what he specialised in. And his wife, Dr. Sue Hills, who was actually the head of maths as like a pi- private school, like a right. private girls, all girls school in Leicester. Um, and she had a sister called Emma and she had two brothers, Nick and Patrick. They grew up in Terlangton, um, like a small little village in Leicestershire. And Alice was kind of consistently described by people that knew her that they quote, We'll always remember her for her happy and outgoing personality. She had the ability to cheer anyone up when they were down. She was she was just incredibly kind of like quick-witted. She was a really good listener and genuinely empathetic. And she quickly made friends wherever she went. So everything I've read about Alice, she she just was this really, really, really nice person that everybody just loved being around. She was one of those kind of people that she her happiness and her cheerfulness and her positiveness just rubbed off on people around her someone you'd always want to be around you know so all of her family grew up really really close knit and this didn't kind of change as all the family kind of got older and all the kids kind of did whatever they were doing and they were actually in like a family um whatsapp group like we are Alice and all like the, the brothers and the sisters and the parents, they would all kind of like banter all the time, even after they all moved away to like their different colleges, universities, stuff like that. Alice attended, attended Church Langton Primary School and Kibworth High School until she actually chose to continue to study her secondary education at the school her mum was a teacher at. 
So she loves being around her family that much that she actually chose to move schools to the school her mum was a maths teacher at. Right. So at school, Alice didn't slow down. She played a leading role in the school pantomime. She performed comic pieces in house events. She was singing in the chamber choir. And she narrowly missed be- becoming a Vitrix Lundrum on sports day. I will tell you what this is because I had no idea what that was. So basically what a Victrix, Victrix Lundrum is, is it's a load of like team games, basically, which you get a trophy for at the end. So it's loads of different things like relays, stuff yeah. like that. You get a trophy at the end of it. And she actually fell flat on her face at the start of the final race. She thought this was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> she just laughed at herself. She was one of those kind of people that could just laugh at herself when she she did something silly. She also helped the younger students with their Duke and Vedderborough Award and even helped to organise school dance. Alice was actually into fencing as well. <coughs> she found out about the sport at camp at 11 years old and she that soon become kind of like a massive part of her life pretty much. And her weapon was the epi. So the epi is the largest and heaviest of the three weapons that you can choose. So for a small girl, she chose the biggest and the heaviest sword that she could pick, which I think this just kind of shows how badass Alice was. Um, she actually represented her home country, um, home county of Leicestershire and in the East Midlands region on many, many occasions. She was also really successful on the national fencing circuit and she passed her A-levels in maths, physics and chemistry. So clearly... She was clever, wasn't she? The smarts ran in the family, yeah. yeah. She, was, she was not silly by any stretch of the imagination. So by 18 years old... Alice was choosing universities based on the strengths of their fencing club. So this shows how much fencing was part of her life. And she actually settled on the University of Northumbria, where she became the club captain. The proudest moment of her achievements was when she won the Women's Epee at the Leeds Open in 2012. She was super, super talented, like really, really talented. Alice graduated in product design and engineering from the university and she simply, just because she loved living in Newcastle so much, she decided to stay after she graduated and kind of made life for herself in the east of the country. Right. So she decided to stay in in, um, Newcastle. After graduation, Alice didn't struggle to secure a job, as you can imagine. You know, she's she had a really kind of bubbly, outgoing personality she didn't struggle to get a job like most people do out of university out of straight out of university not many people will hire you you know it's a lot of people find that they go to university and they come out jobless most of the time she did not have this this problem and she was actually offered a position at sky so sky media what we know now oh, yeah. yeah yeah um at their newcastle hub as an office coordinator and they adored her that much and they thought she was so good at her job that she was actually soon promoted to become site coordinator and a PA to the head of sales. So that is pretty impressive for a woman straight out of university to get to that position so quickly. I've read multiple statements by her friends and people that knew her. So this one really stuck out to me. And I think this really shows that even at work, she was absolutely adored. So this hopefully will just give you an idea of how much people absolutely loved Alice. He said, quote, 
you know I'm not a man of many words unless it was badgering you to get my laptop ordered. So I just wanted to list my best memories of you. Genuinely, the most horrific Mancunian accent I have ever heard. Ever. Absolutely awful and absolutely hilarious in equal measure. You taught me the difference between the foil, epe and sabre, referring to fencing. I still won't watch it at the Olympics, though. You are more sarcastic than me. Your sense of humour was second to none. So witty and sharp as attack. Last but definitely not least, you have the most infectious personality and brightened the office on a daily basis. I can genuinely say any day I spoke to you was a happier day for it. You never failed to make me laugh and I am a miserable sod. <laughs> you could even do it via email and the email attached reads, laptop wait time is directly proportionate to how nice you are to me. Therefore, yours is due for delivery in 2074. Thank mm. you, Alice. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of even at work how loved she was yeah. and how fun she was just fucking hilarious. In November 2015, Alice and her friends actually went on a girl's holiday to Sri Lanka and they were kind of like having a whale of a time, took shitloads of pictures like you do on holiday. She, his, her friend posted them all on Facebook and one of these pictures actually happened to be spotted by someone called Truman Dillon. He, I'm going to refer to him as Truman and Harry. His nickname was Harry, okay? I've referred to him in both in this case. So he was actually friends with the her friend that she was holidaying with. He was friends with her on Facebook. And he commented on the picture saying, quote, she is the most naturally beautiful woman I've seen. Although Alice was kind of always really, really careful with her social media use, she was flattered like most women would be, and she was complimented by this. So this chance encounter got them chatting, and this eventually led on to them video chatting. So they kind of got into a conversation and that's how they kind of got chatting right. and flirting. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of Tramandalam. He was born in India to dad Kultip. Um, and he was actually a parachute regiment major. And his mum, Parminda, um, she actually graduated the Guru Narak Dev University at Arminster. He was the only child and he grew up in a wealthy family environment. They were they were well off in India. Um, they travelled around quite a bit with his dad's work and Truman actually received top-notch education. He went to Catholic schools and he went to military academies. So he had a good, good education. He studied for a degree in India and then he was actually given the opportunity to do his final two years at the Queen Margaret University near Edinburgh. Obviously, you can imagine being he snapped this opportunity up, okay? And he moved to the UK in 2010. Army recruiters came to the university and knowing that if he joined the forces, he could stay in the UK after he finished his education, he was more than happy to kind of take this route and he passed the selection process and he passed out in May 2012, okay? So, obviously, he's got a history of being kind of in the military environment his dad was in the military he went to military schools so he's he was already kind of lined up for this anyway okay yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he spent time at sandhurst academy and he also worked for the royal guard protecting the royal family on visits to scotland as a lance corporal there's pictures of this as well there's pictures of him with um prince william 
like and the now king yeah there's pictures of him with them it's fucking mad just when you find out what he did um and he actually ended up serving in a non-combat role in afghan and this was where he was actually on tour when he saw this picture of alice on facebook so he was commenting on these while he was on tour in afghan although you would think that serving in the military would strip away certain bad behaviors Truman severely lacked discipline, and especially when it came to women rejecting him. In 2012, he dated a woman called Anika Nemeth for a period of time, but she actually ended this relationship with him. She had every right to do that. Yeah, you know, course, she didn't yeah. want to be with him anymore. She broke up with him. She had every right to do that. He, though, took this very badly, and he felt it right to approach her on the street one day and confront her. She was with her new boyfriend. He approached her and basically called her a fucking bitch and spat in her face just because she dumped him and she moved on. So she did actually press charges for this, for common assault, but these were actually later kind of altered and he ended up receiving a restraining order against him. So he couldn't go anywhere near her. Right. But his behaviour during this relationship, I read a little bit about their relationship and their relationship was the same as what Alice's and Truman's end relationship ended up being like it was controlling he was coercive he was he was emotionally abusive and that was what kind of pushed her to break up with him in the first Anika's thing to break up with him you know so the behavior that Truman was, was showing wouldn't change in his new relationship and he carried this through into his new relationship with Alice. People oh, so they got together then? Yeah, they ended up getting together, right. yeah. So, think people like this don't change. They generally carry these things onto the new relationships. And that's exactly what he did. Him and Anika broke up. All that stuff kicked off. He just moved on. And then he moved on to Alice, literally straight afterwards. So, he charmed Alice. He was nice, he was attentive, he was caring. He was basically anything that a woman would want in a boyfriend. But eventually, that mask can only slip. You know, he can't keep up this facade forever. In January 2016, he had a break from Afghan and he returned for two weeks. So he came back to the UK for two weeks. And then this time, they spent the first week in Newcastle and then they spent a week in Edinburgh before he went back to Afghanistan and completed his last two months of tour. She fell hook, line and sinker for him. So when he returned in April of that year, she was glad for him to be back. But when he returned, he wasn't this attentive, caring person that she met. He was controlling, he was overbearing, he cheated on her she didn't know about this at this point though he was emotionally abusive he would he was just horrible he was absolutely horrible and all this shit would just rear its ugly head for everybody to see including her friends her family all these kind of people harry started to alienate alice away from her friends um she was actually away with with some girls at one point, like on a girl's holiday, and he would get shitty if she would like have a drink and he would tell her not to drink. No, you can't have a drink when you're away with the girls. He was just really controlling. He started being really critical of her appearance, saying that she had a really big nose and her arms were too hairy. He was critical about the way she she kind of spent her life, her friends, her family. 
so that he could kind of steadily make her more and more isolated away from everybody and he could just have her to himself. He took over a Facebook account, changed her passwords, so he had basically everything, he had access to everything on her social media. He had access to her WhatsApp, everything. She had no control of anything yeah, in her what, life. Yeah, but why did she let him have all that control, though? Because she was being controlled. Yeah, but... It's easy for you to say because you are a very strong person. When you're in that, it's very different when you're in that. And people that have been in a relationship like that, they will understand. Sometimes it's easier to hand over your password to something when you've got someone like to save an argument. And I know me and you have had this conversation before about sometimes it's easier to do things to save an argument with your exes. And I think that's where it was. Yeah, it's harder never, for us to understand. Yeah, but I never, I never give my password to it to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever give your pin to your phone to a girlfriend? Oh, that fuck. Have you not? No. Okay. See, people out there, people that have been through this will understand. Sometimes it's easier to do things to save an argument later on, and that's. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to speak for her because I wasn't there during all this, but. That's what I would assume happened. He just he just bullied her into doing what he wanted. He probably went down the whole route of, oh, well, I think you're cheating on me. If you've got nothing to hide, why can't I have it? Oh, you know, you pass your phone over, I'll go there. You can have a look, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, you've only been dating for a little while. I wouldn't give access to my phone and all my Facebook, like, Facebook yeah. details, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, why do you need... Excuse me. Why do you need access to that? Yeah, I know. I don't know. No, he didn't need it. He wanted it. He yeah, wanted control of everything in her life. So Alice even had to move out of her house that she shared with her friends because he caused a massive argument between them all. So she ended up falling out with all of her friends. And she ended up moving in with her friend Maxine into a ground floor, ground floor flat on Rolling Road in Gateshead. This is where this whole incident happened. So in just a few short months, Alice's whole personality had changed from what we spoke about before to being completely miserable. She was lonely, she was isolated and she was withdrawn. This was even more evident in a family holiday that they all took in July in 2016 to Cornwall. What? Her whole family could see how withdrawn she was. She had become, she'd just become absolutely and utterly miserable. Just like, why stay with him? <laughs> okay we've spoke about this before in a previous case you stay with them because you <laughs> blindly love them so she stayed with yeah but she was being miserable and she knows she's being miserable so why stay with someone that's making you unhappy I don't well you'll be grateful to hear that she doesn't stay with him longer no this, but, okay? still, <laughs> but still do you know what I mean that's what I don't understand people moan about their relationships and, oh, I'm unhappy I'm about this you know what I mean and they don't do anything about it. That's what I don't, I don't, I don't get. Or maybe I've just heard so many people bitch about their partners and they still don't <laughs> fucking do anything. You've about become it. numb to it. Yeah, and it's just like I don't want to hear it. Yeah, do you yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, dude, I'm not unhappy. It's like, okay, we're well, unhappy. Fucking leave. Pack your stuff <laughs> and go, or pack their stuff and they can go. Yeah, make, make a choice. You know what I mean? You, well, might we... be, you might be by yourself for X amount of time, yeah. but you know what I mean. You know, at least you'll be happy, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, I was in that situation. You yeah, know I, mean? know. I wasn't happy. I was like, see you later. Yeah. I'm out of here. Sucker. <laughs> well, when he was, when Harry was spoken to about this holiday, 
he thought this holiday was perfect. He was like, yeah, this this holiday was amazing. It was fantastic. It was, you know, best thing ever. Looking back at pictures, I've seen photos of this holiday and she looks fucking miserable. She yeah. doesn't she doesn't look like she's on holiday. Right. She does not look like she's on holiday. She looks so sad in it. And it's, it's so fucking sad. So around this time, a woman off Tinder actually contacted Alice saying, quote, do you know what your boyfriend is doing? When Alice spoke to Harry about this, he denied doing what he'd been doing. But he'd actually been hooking up with girls. So he'd been meeting up with girls and having like one night stands and stuff with them. And he'd been, he'd just been meeting random women off dating sites, off like Tinder and plenty of fish and stuff. So she ended it with him. She was like, no, this is the last straw. I'm done with him. So she did. She ended it with him. And that was it. And that was what what should have been the end of her, her ordeal. For the next three months after this, Harry bombarded Alice with phone calls, voice messages, text, emails. Some of them were pleading. Others were aggressive and threatening. He also contacted her family and her friends. In one message, he actually stated, quote, he was not used to being denied what belonged to him. Referring to her like she is a fucking belonging of his. He hacked into her new Facebook account. So she actually started up a new Facebook account. Right. He hacked into this. He hacked into her phone. Don't ask me how. I think part of his job in the forces was to do with phones. Yeah. And he managed to hack into it so he could monitor her movements and what she was basically doing. He sent her pleading messages and crying selfies of him, like, crying his eyes out. What a fairy. I know. He asked her mum to tell her to take him back. Like, she has fucking control of what what she does. And why would she, after seeing how fucking miserable she was? So he must have been reading her messages because he actually discovered that she started dating someone new. So she started dating a guy. I don't want to butcher his surname because it's a foreign surname. She Mike... likes the foreigners, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, yeah. Um, his name was Mike Thesaya? Thesaya, I think it's pronounced. It's got a silent B in there somewhere. Thesaya, that's a Greek-Roman name. Very strong. I know, it's a very strong name, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Thesaya, that's like Greek, it's you know what I mean? It's a very strong name. Roman god or something. To put alongside it, he was an army officer. Oh, yeah, there you go. Do you know what I mean? Oh, what's his name again? Um, Mike Thesaya. Thesaya. Thesaya is on the battlefield. You be fucked. If I heard that, mate, Thesaya is on the battlefield. I'm done. I'm done. I'll see you a lot later. You know what I mean? He wins. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Almighty Zeus coming down himself, isn't it? That's it. it. (laughs) So, yeah, he was an army officer and he actually worked alongside um, her sister, Emma. So, Emma was in the forces as well. She was in the army. Right. Um, But... Not happy about her kind of moving on, um, he bombarded Mike with messages claiming that Alice, Alice was still with him and that she was cheating with Mike. Okay. He's just, he's just doing what he can to try and get his way. When this didn't have the desired effect that he wanted, on the 30th of September 2016, 
He made the five-hour round trip from Glencourse Barracks in Midlothian to Gateshead to knock on her bedroom window and ring her doorbell repeatedly. He then left flowers and chocolates on her windowsill. Fucking creeper. Oh, she's trying to ring back his woman. Oh, fuck off. He's, he was knocking on the door and then, like, walking off when she'd answered the door. And then, like, come back, like, knock the door around. Not, not a damn ginger yes, to you. Yeah, not damn ginger. <laughs> yeah. So this That's abs- romantic. It's not fucking romantic. Is, you know what I mean? It ain't romantic. Not damn ginger. I'll do it to you later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll climb out the window and oh, <laughs> not damn ginger. So this absolutely terrified Alice. Um, she was just lying on her bed. And he's just like, he knocked on the window and was like, Alice, here's some flowers and some chocolates. I'm just going to put it down on your windowsill. It fucking terrified the poor woman. She's just lying on her bed, trying to chill. So things were getting massively out of control at this point. Alice spoke to her sister, Emma, who at the time, as I said, was in the army. She told her to report him to the police. So the call that she made to them is so sweet and innocent. Like I've heard this call. You can hear this call on YouTube and stuff and like other documentaries that I read. Um, and she sounds genuinely scared of this person, but she's so polite throughout the entire call. And the 101 handler was so helpful on the measure they could take to hopefully help her with her situation. So this is the conversation that pretty much was said. She said, I just need a bit of advice really more than anything. I split up with my boyfriend about three months ago. And since then, I know that he's hacked into my Facebook and also my phone. Then tonight I had a knock at my door and there was no one there. Then it happened again two or three times and he had left some flowers and chocolates on the outside windowsill and I'm concerned. My friends have been telling me to call the police and I feel a bit shaken up tonight. End quote. The officer explained that she could go to a solicitor and take out an injunction or that the police could actually issue a police information notice, otherwise known as a PIN. And that would mean that if he ever came near her or contacted her, he'll be arrested. So he said, what would you prefer? What would you prefer to do? And she said, can I try that option, please, of the pin? So he didn't. she didn't want to go to a solicitor and receive an injunction. She wanted to try the pin to see what happened, okay? She obtained the pin, instructed him to stop contacting her. The police contacted his commanding officer, told her to basically him to leave her alone, and he said, you know, no, you're, you're not doing that anymore. You've had this against you, you know, basically stop fucking around pretty much. He ignored it, though. He instead sent a parcel to her house containing letters of fo- and photographs of them together. So she did exactly what she should have done. She called the police again because she felt harassed, alarmed and distressed. He had now broken the pin and she didn't... <sighs> She didn't get the same kind of person she got the first time. So she got someone that was super, super helpful the first time. This time, she did not get that same kind of person. She later told a friend about this phone call that she felt palmed off. And she told her sister, Emma, the police would respond when he stabs me. That day, Alice called her mum and told her about what the police had said in the final call. And Sue reassured her that everything would be okay. The police knew what was going on. And if she just ignored him, he would ignore her. Okay. So basically, 
what happened was she rung the police. She rung the police and said, "This is what's happening. He's he's already got a pin against him." And the officer said, "Well, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to arrest him?" Her mum said in a later quote, "If you ask someone who is vulnerable and scared to decide whether to arrest someone who is scaring them, it's very different from saying we are going to arrest them." I can imagine she felt as if she was wasting their time. Northumbria police said at the time that no one knew the level of threat Dylan posed, but added it had referred their actions to the Independent Police Complaints Commission, the IPCC. Alice realised that she wasn't being protected at all. She tried to make sure that she was driven home to her front door every day by a colleague and she immediately double-locked the door. So she was trying to be as safe as she possibly could because she was worried what was happening. On the 10th of October, Harry unknowingly to Alice, he had snuck into her rear of her garden, scaling a fence, to take reconnaissance pictures of her back window, her back living room window, and he left before anyone knew he was even there. Two days later, on the 12th, Alice went to work like any other day. When she finished at 5pm, she would be leaving with Paul Lynch. So Paul Lynch is just someone that they work together, okay? He would be giving her a lift home. So he was the person on this point that was giving her a lift home to make sure she got home safe. At 5.15, they are seen on CCTV waiting for the lift to leave the building. I don't know what was said in this conversation, but you can see her, like, she grabs her phone out and... They're just waiting there, and she's like hysterically laughing. Like it's just, it's so eerie because you know what I, I know what happens afterwards. Maxine McGill, her flatmate, didn't finish until six p.m., so she finished an hour later than Alice finished. So they wouldn't be going home together that night. She would arrive home about an hour or so after Alice. Paul dropped Alice off right outside her house at 5.31. We know this because this is caught on dash cam footage. So we know this to be fact, okay? A, a car is actually parked near, like, two doors down from Alice's house, and you can see Paul's car come up, drive around and park right outside of Alice's house, see them talk for a minute or two, and then you can see Alice get out of the car and then Paul Lynch drive away. So... Apparently, the officer said that in his in the last 10 years, he's never seen this clear of a footage showing exactly what time something's happened. You can see her going into the house alone, okay? As I said, they spoke for a few minutes in the car. She went straight into the house, bolting the doors behind her, as she always did. Unbeknownst to her, Harry, though, had drove down again from Edinburgh, At 12pm that day, he'd parked near Alice's flat, waiting for her to return home. He parked somewhere that he could see her flat in his rearview mirror, so he could see who was coming in and out. Whilst waiting, he was messaging another woman, trying to arrange to basically hook up later in that day for sex in Scotland. He saw Alice get dropped off and enter her home alone. Upon Alice getting inside her flat, she locked the doors. The doors actually had a heavy-duty lock and bolt-on as well, so it shows just how scared she was to make sure that she had heavy-duty locks on those doors. She took her shoes off and threw her bag down in the living room. 
she went to her bedroom to try and some dresses for like a party that she was going to that following weekend with her new boyfriend, Mike. At 5.45, she messaged her friends on WhatsApp with a picture of her in this beautiful grey, like, ball ground dress. She sent them this picture and said, too much? It's not. She, I've seen the picture and she looks beautiful in it. Right. She looks gorgeous in it. She really does. No reply was said to this, but she then exchanged some messages like between her and Mike. And this was at 6pm. He asked, what are you thinking of doing on Friday? Anything alcohol related? She replied, well, is anything in life not alcohol related? And this was sent at 6.01. This was the last message she sends at 6.01. Just 14 minutes after Paul had dropped Alice off at 5.31, Harry's white BMW was seen moving from where it had been parked, waiting and making its way towards Alice's flat. This is caught on CCTV and the dash cam footage. Between 6.01 and 6.25, so 24 minutes... Harry had jumped over the fence that he'd jumped two nights prior for recon. He'd broke into the window that he had took pictures of two nights prior. And he'd snuck into Alice's flat while she was there. We can't be sure if the noise alerted Alice or not. We're not sure of this, okay? Because he denied all this. So we can't be sure if she was alerted to him and that's how she found out he was there. We're not 100% sure. Once inside, he grabbed a long kitchen, um, large carving knife, sorry, from the kitchen and he went on to attack her. She tried to barricade herself in the bathroom running away from him, but he was too strong for her. He was six foot one, 12 and a half stone. She was three stone lighter than him and almost a foot shorter than him. She had no combat training. He was army trained. He was actually training for the SAS right. as well. So he had combat training. He knew what he was doing. He had the upper hands. Alice tried to fight him off. She had so many defensive wounds to show this. And he actually sustained scratches to his face while she was trying to fight for her life. From the evidence and her injuries, it was clear to see that he had pinned her down most likely by kneeling on her back, pulled her head back, and he cut her throat open six times, all the way to her spine, severing her vocal cords and her carotid artery, and she had no fucking way of surviving. If if you don't know what a carotid artery is, one of the biggest arteries that supplies blood in the body you can't survive if that's if you ever seen like when people get injured and like blood spurts yeah that's your carotid artery alice had also been subject to a large injury to her, her nose and she actually sustained a head injury she was covered in bruises and marks and she she just sustained all these during this fight in total alice sustained 24 injuries in the result of this attack on her at 6.25, Harry's car was seen on CCTV leaving the area and travelling back to his barracks via the airport. Maxine left work at 6.20. She got home at 6.30. When she tried to get into the flat, she obviously couldn't. Alice had dead bolted the door. She called out Alice's name through the letterbox, but nothing. At this point, she was panicking. 
she's thinking, why, why is Alice not answering the door? Alice should be at home. Because something just fell off to her, she decides to climb over the fence that Harry had climbed yeah, over. At this point, she saw that the living room window had been pried open. She fucking panicked because she saw that it had been pried open far enough that someone could climb through it and gain entry. She knew something was very, very wrong at this point. She climbed in through the same window. Once she got inside, she called out for Alice. But all she sensed was this eerie silence. Like it was, she said it was deathly silent. When she when she kind of got in there, she went straight to her bedroom to retrieve her mobile because she actually left it at home that day by accident. She was actually meant to be staying at her boyfriend's that night, but she forgot her phone at home. That's the only reason she even went home because she left her phone at home that day. She went to her bedroom to grab her phone. And as she came out of her bedroom, she, she walked past and she saw the bathroom door wide open and she saw blood all over the bathroom floor. She saw Alice covered in blood and she was lying in an unnatural position. She ran to Alice immediately because she thought that she'd kind of like injured herself and hurt herself in the bathroom. Obviously quickly realised that wasn't the case. She obviously called 999 straight away and this was four minutes after she got home. This was at 6.34pm. This call is absolutely fucking heartbreaking. I've heard this call and it's fucking horrible. You can hear the moment that Maxine clocks that she's dead. She, she, I think when she calls 999, she genuinely believes that she's just hurt. And then when she's calling her, she's going like, Alice, 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 oh my God, no, she's dead. It's, it's fucking horrible. You can, you can hear it on the internet. It's fucking horrible. I wouldn't advise you to go and listen to it because it's heartbreaking. Paramedics arrived soon after and obviously there was nothing they could do for Alice and she was pronounced dead at 7.30pm. The murder squad were then informed of the potential murder and DCI Lisa Theaker then took over the case. The crime scene was cordoned off and 24-7 supervision in and out of cordons until the crime scene investigators could attend the scene. Thankfully, though, Maxine, when she called 999, she actually mentioned Alice's ex-boyfriend by name. Right. So DCI Theca obviously listened to that call straight away, heard this name and was like, okay, we need to track him down. This is the first person we need to track down. So they checked A&PR in the area and they could see that a vehicle that was registered to Harry Dillon, that was in the location at the time of the murder. Lo and behold, it was flagged entering the city in the daytime and leaving the city minutes after Alice's murder. Officers were sent to his barracks to go and arrest him on suspicion of murder, and they did exactly that at 23.59, so one minute to midnight. At 3.24am, he was booked into Fourth Banks Police Station. His car was obviously seized in Scotland, and that was brought back to, to Newcastle to be processed as evidence. When he was arrested, he had two scratches to the left side of his face and a scratch to the right of his neck. I've seen these on this documentary that I watched and you can see that they are brand new, fresh scratches. You know, like when they look pink, yeah. they're not quite scabbed up. That's what they look like. 
um, they were swabbed and his jewelry was taken. So he had like a help for heroes bracelet on, mm-hmm. like, you know, those rubber bracelets. And that was taken for DNA testing. When Harry's car was examined initially, they could see that there was blood present on the steering wheel and on the gear stick. So they obviously took that and that was sent off for testing as well. All during this time, like when he was being sat down to have his first initial interview. When Harry was questioned about what he was doing between 10am that day and the time that he was arrested at the barracks, he stated that he drove to, to Newcastle to get answers from Alice, but she was unaware he would be visiting. When he got to her home, he saw that she was on her phone while he was peeping through her root bedroom window. He then knocked on the window. She freaked out, apparently, grabbing her phone and going outside, threatening to call 999. He apparently tried to hug her, and when he tried to hug her, she scratched his face. He specifically said she had her phone in her hand. He specifically said he remembered having it in her hand and he and threatened to call 999 apparently this is what he's saying he then allegedly left and drove back home via the airport the same route he traveled to go to alice's flat this is what he's saying in his initial interview yeah harry denied that he had injured alice at all he said he had no knowledge of the murder and he wasn't present at the murder at all so at the crime scene there was no forced entry that the investigators could see but they could see forced entry at the living room window and they could see footprints on the black leather sofa underneath that was directly beneath the window. Inside, Alice's handbag was on the sofa, open, and her empty phone case lay inside. Her phone had been taken from her bag. Inside the bathroom, apart from the huge, obviously, puddle of blood on the floor that there was, um, there was no sign of anyone trying to clean themselves up in the sink. So whoever had done this hadn't cleaned themselves up in the bathroom sink afterwards. No murder weapon was present, so it must have been taken from the scene. They didn't leave the murder weapon there. During this time, DCI Thika got the information back from Alice's phone provider that she'd kind of requested a couple of hours before that. And her phone had actually pinged off towers systematically from her home address all the way towards Harry's natural driving route back to his barracks in Scotland. So her phone was with him in the car, pinging all the way back, and then it randomly stopped pinging on the route back. She was also informed that the blood present on his jewellery, there was blood present on his jewellery and inside of his car. Okay, They didn't have the DNA testing yet, so they didn't know that if it was Alice's blood or not yet, but they could see that it was blood, yeah. tested for human blood. Harry was pulled in for another interview to explain himself about his previous lies. He said that she had a phone with her. She said all these things. So why is her, her phone pinging on your route back to your barracks? So you've lied. Automatically, they know that he's lied. In this interview footage, he becomes visibly panicked. His speech begins to stutter and you can see that he's shitting himself. He asks to speak to his solicitor alone. They pause the interview, they go out the room. When they come back, they try asking him questions and what do you think his answer is? No comment. No comment. Every question, no comment. DCI think goes, 
oh, so as soon as the questions start getting hard, you you answer no comment. Why is that? No comment. <laughs> and he just says, no, he goes from speaking to no comment, no comment. No. And, and she just says, okay, I think we've got enough. And she kind of ends the interview there. thing is, we live in a day and age now where technology is so good. You ain't getting away with you shit. You ain't getting away with nothing. Nope. Like you said, she she's obviously dead. Do you know what I mean? He's taking yeah. her phone, yeah. by the sounds of it, and it's pinged across everything. You, yeah. you you can't get away. You can't get away with stealing someone's phone now. All you got to do, if someone steals your phone, all you got to do is just fucking track it. Yeah, yeah. And you can, it pinpoints yeah. you to wherever that phone is. You ain't getting away with shit. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the technology is mad these days. Yeah. This you know? is what caught him. This is what trapped him in his. This is what trapped him in his tracks, lying about the phone. Like they had him down. I don't understand what why take the phone. If he if that's what he was doing in in the army or whatever he was doing along them lines, surely you would know. You would think, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like like I said, we live in a day and age where you you take someone's phone or do you know what I mean? Everything. Everyone everyone wants to track everything. Everyone wants to track their phone or track their cars. GPS, you know what I mean? Like, you know, your car gets stolen. Nine out of ten cars have GPS. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whether people know about it or not. Yeah. You know, phones, we all have GPS. Yeah. You know? You're not getting away with it. You're not getting away with stuff like that. No, of course you're not. Do you know what I mean? You're not. I'm sorry, like, I hate to admit it, you, you have your phone calls and everything like that. It's if you ain't got people, machines that are listening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We've always said it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We probably have machines listening. Yeah. Listening for keywords. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? No, you do. 100%. Yeah. Them yeah. keywords. If you set, say one thing about, I don't know, say for example. Yeah, let's not. Let's so, certain things, yes. Bomb and something else yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everyone knows you what You get the, flagged yeah, up. Yeah. It, it gets flagged up straight yeah. away. Well, the good, I mean, the good thing about this all is, is that because, because of technology, they were able to see the messages that were sent between her and people and all these kind of things, which is fantastic because they know in the space of time what when Alice was murdered, yeah. they know what happened. And I think this was the crux of initially getting him charged. Yeah. And this is how they had enough evidence to actually charge him initially. Because this is, you remember, this is before the DNA evidence even came back. They were still waiting for this at yeah. this point. At 14.28 on Friday the 14th of October 2016, DCI Thika felt that they had enough evidence and he was charged with the murder of Alice Ruggles. The evidence testing eventually came back soon after and this tested positive for Alice's blood. Her DNA was also found inside the car and her DNA was also found on his Help for Heroes bracelet that he was wearing that night that he was arrested. Truman Dillon's court appearances started on the 18th of October and he denied all charges against him and chose to fight it. But he changed his story at trial from his original statement he gave and his new version of events was that he went to her flat to retrieve £90 that she apparently owed him so that he could go on a date later that night, that one he was trying to hook up with in Scotland. She apparently became jealous and hit him which apparently she'd done multiple times during their relationship. So he's now saying she was violent, not him. She apparently pulled a knife on him and attacked him with it. He got her in a headlock and tried to defend himself and she stabbed herself in the neck. Just want to remind you, her throat was cut six times. He then took the knife out of it and fled the scene because he was scared. 
This is what he's trying to say in trial. He stated that he didn't call the police or the ambulance because he was so traumatised by the blood, which brought back flashbacks of when he attended a, hol- a helicopter crash whilst he was on tour in Afghan. What he didn't actually state, though, was that he didn't actually see the crash because it was covered and he didn't even know if there was any victims dead or not. So he was just using this as some excuse to why he didn't do it. The thing is, he didn't come out of that plan by himself, though, did he? His solicitor's probably fucking... 100%. You know, so, yeah, what, what can we do, What can we say to try and try justify and co- this? Yeah, try and cover it up kind of yeah. thing. So the evidence against Harry, the crime scene, the history of his stalking Alice, the history of him stalking his ex, Aniko, because that can all get brought into it, the emotional abuse, the coercive behaviour, all of this showed exactly the type of person that Harry was. And if he couldn't have Alice, then no one was going to have her. She wasn't going to be alive. No, what he he wasn't going to let her be with anybody else. Judge Sloan said, quote, not a shred of remorse have you shown from first to last. Indeed, you were concentrating so hard on getting your story right when giving evidence, you forgot to even shed a crocodile tear. You were harassing her, you were stalking her, you were destroying her. End quote. On the 26th of April 2017, Truman Dillon was found guilty of murder and he was sentenced to life to serve a minimum of 22 years because that's what life is in the UK, minimum of 22 years. He will be eligible for to apply for parole on the 13th of January 2041. He is now serving his sentence in HM Prison Durham, a Category B men's prison in the Elver area of Durham in County Durham. Alice's funeral took place on Monday, the 7th of November in 2016 um, at St. Andrew's Church in Turlangton at 1pm and she was actually cremated. So Turlangton is where she grew up, small little place where she grew up. Um, in a statement released through Northumbria Police, her family said, quote, Alice, is, Alice loved her life, loved her friends and loved her job. She had so much to live for. Nothing, nothing can ever replace her. Unfortunately, though, her mum and her dad felt some kind of unfound fault with themselves. They felt guilty. Um, Sue said that she felt that she'd failed her daughter by teaching her to see the good in everyone and also by not standing up to Dylan herself about when she was contacted on Facebook by him saying, get back with her. She said, quote, this feeling of fail will stay with me forever. She said adding she would never forgive herself for advising her daughter that if she ignored Dylan, he would eventually stop contacting her. Her dad said, quote, we all share some sense of guilt. Rationally, we know it's only one person responsible, but all of us feel we should have paid more attention to aspects of his personality that perhaps should have forewarned us. Yeah, but you don't know what people are like, though, do you? No. Do you know what I mean? You know, people... I know. People put this kind of face on that they're nice and all this, and you just really... You just don't know. Do you know what I mean? You like, never know, no. Like, we say don't fucking tarnish the same people with the same brush or whatever the saying is. But, yeah. If someone shows those systematic behaviour, like, <laughs> systematic, because his behaviour was systematic, it's... It, should be, it should be addressed. But you don't know, especially if you grow up with... Kind of, if you grow up in an environment where your parents are very much like you see the best in people and all those kind of things, and if you're not 
if you're not shown the I would say the worst in humanity, then you're not as aware of it. No, but it's, the parents are not to blame, though, are they? Do you know what 100% I mean? Hundred percent not. No, that's, that's you've got a good family. That's not your fault. No, that's it. That's why you've been. That's why you've been raised. Do you know yeah. what I mean? To to see goodness in everyone. Like we know that's diff- a quality. We we know different. Do you know what I mean? So there is people, there is evil people out there. Do you know what I mean? And you can't see the goodness in everyone. You can't fucking trust people. Sometimes there is no good in some people. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Some people do change, you know. Some people do. You know, so so who do you give the benefit of the doubt? And you can't help what people you you know you fought for. And she obviously fell for him. Do you know what I mean? Blah, 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 and all this. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a tragic. to her, do you know what I mean? No, nothing can be done about it now. No. You know? Well, I mean, some things were done after all this. No, yeah, of course. But So, you know what I said about that second call with the police? Yeah. Um, Regarding the actions of the police, that was actually dealt with. Right. So, the IOPC found the police constable that had they had actually a case to answer misconduct for failing to recognise Dylan's offence as stalking rather than just harassment. Yeah. He said, quote, Officer B stated, they obviously didn't rate his name, they just called of him course. Officer B, um, stated he did not believe there was a necessity to arrest Mr. Dillon as he had not made any direct threats. He lived 120 miles away in Edinburgh and there had been no previous incidents of violence between the two parties. In our opinion, his logic in this assessment is not sound, the report included. The IOPC also found a police sergeant had a case to answer for misconduct for failing to appropriately supervise the police constable while he investigated Ruggles' report. The IOPC found evidence of unsatisfactory performance by the PC, saying policing guidance states that the decision to arrest a suspect lies with the officer and victims should not be asked whether or not they want people arrested, which is what I stated earlier. Yeah. Rachel Bacon, an assistant chief constable at Northumbria Police, said the Ruggles family had helped the force to develop better training. She said, quote, Since Alice's death, it has been recognised nationally that changes need to be made in how police respond to reports of stalking and harassment to ensure officers understand the heightened risks associated with stalking behaviour. With the help of Alice's family, who I have come who I have to commend for their continuing dignity and determination, significant improvements have now been made in the way we deal with these types of offences, end quote. Oh, that's good, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's, it's something good come out of it. And the family actually had since started a trust called the Alice Ruggles Trust. Yeah. And it solely exists to raise awareness of stalking, which includes coercive control, to ensure that relevant legislation is effective and adhered to and to bring about lasting improvements in the management of perpetrators and the protection of victims. And they actually aim to prevent what happened to Alice by happening to others, by raising awareness of coercive control and stalking and their dangers, working to ensure that stalking offences result in immediate action, both to protect the victim and to deal with effectively with the perpetrator, provide education and training, they campaign for improved legal measures and support relevant research. So if anything positive can come out of it, this is something that came out of it. And, you know, the, the Alice Ruggles Trust is on Facebook. I, I got loads of stuff from the Alice Ruggles Trust and um, information from there. 
lots of quotes about like from family and stuff about her was on it um so yeah i mean you know it not, none of this should ever happen for for things to change but the police fucked up well a police constable fucked up and unfortunately you know if if it had been took differently would alice still be here we don't know i mean Harry clearly was one fucked up individual that had a plan. The thing is, even if he got arrested, he would have got released X amount of hours later anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they can keep him forever, can they? And he would have just done it, done it again. Would he have done it a few days later? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he would have. I think he would have. So no matter the outcome that happened, if he did get arrested, they can only hold him X for an X amount of hours. Have to release him because they haven't charged him for anything. Do you know what I mean? And then, like you said, give it a couple of days, and he's back there. And this time, he could have done exactly the same thing. So you've only, yeah. you know, you I just think, put it off. I just think he always, he was always going to do something, yeah. No matter what, you know. What I mean, whether it's then a couple of days later, whatever. Couple of years, you know what I mean? else, or yeah. It's 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 a good thing that he's been put away now. It's tragic for the, for the obviously young girl because she obviously she had the rest of her. But then when I say that all the time with all the all the stories that we do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's always tragic for the for the victim you know it's, what i mean yeah it's really i think because i've seen because i've seen so much about them i mean i'm not gonna lie on one bit of my research it really upset me i had to take a couple of minutes because it was just really sad you kind of see her she's just she's a person like all these people and mm-hmm. i think you forget when when i'm researching i try to kind of stay very neutral to it because i'm researching so much and reading all these horrific facts about the cases and sometimes there's just this one little thing that will just tip you over that edge. Um, and yeah, it's just it, it's just so fucking sad. But like all cases, they're all really, really sad. Um, but that's that that's today's case. I mean, he's in prison, thank God for that. And it's another disgusting human being that's off the streets to stalk and you know attack somebody else. So hopefully he doesn't get parole. You know, we'll see. Like he's still got full, uh, 20, uh, 20 years. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not been entitled, in prison that long. Until entitled to parole. Even so. eligible, yeah. 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 So that's today's case for today. We hope you all enjoyed it. Um, what did you think of it, babe? Just one of them cases, isn't it, again? Yeah, yeah. Something something sad. different. You know, it, is, it is sad. But like I said, all, all the stories that we tell on here. They're always sad. They're always sad for the victims yeah. and families. So... Well, thank you very much, guys, for listening to that one today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as you could. And we will catch you guys next week. We're on our socials as normal. I'll post pictures of Alice and her family. And thank you guys for listening. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.